Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the jobs, one of the parts of my job is to go and bring a communion to people who are considered shut in. It means that they can't get out of their house very readily and come to worship. Uh, or they may be in a, an institution like a nursing home. And so we got a schedule of the people who fit that criteria, and, and I go. And uh, over the years, there's been a lot of people. And very common, especially for the people who are, you know, far enough along in the degradation of their health that they are in a nursing home. It's very common for me to hear, um, I'm useless. I just sit here. I eat. I get bathed. I can't even do that for myself. I go to sleep. That's it. I'm just taking up space. Why does God leave me here? They don't want to live longer. They want to go, and, and sometimes they're insistent, they want to go now. And I'm limited. I, I can't kill them. That is illegal. So I can only say, maybe that'll be soon. And I'm okay in praying with you for that to be soon. But I do believe that you have some sort of purpose. Now, I have walked out of some places where people have, are really demented. They don't even know who I was. And, and I've asked God kind of loudly on the inside, what's up with this? I mean, why do you leave this person here? I, I don't understand it. And it's something that, that I have wrestled with. Uh, and certainly, oh, I don't know if they wrestle with it. They're, they're almost beyond wrestling with it. Purpose and worth are, are two vital ingredients to, to a human. I mean, we're, we're not like an animal. It's just living, you know. We're, we're here with a higher purpose. At least we, we want that to be so. And you don't have to be at the very end of life to have a crisis of purpose. You can have it at any time during your existence. And, and But there is some times that really are more likely to evoke that than others. I'd like for us to start by, by thinking about when would a person possibly have uh, a crisis of purpose? One place is when you give up or have taken away your work. So retirement or getting canned. Either one of those spots. We tie up a lot of what we are about in our employment. And that's not completely wrong. Our employment does give us opportunities to, to serve God. However, I think we tie up maybe too much of our purpose and worth in our employment sometimes. So, so you can have a real crisis if you don't plan right. You know, when it comes down to retirement, you know, you're trying to get your cash 
aspect all lined up. And you're thinking about maybe a few things that you'd like to do if you don't have to go into work. So the day comes and they say, here's your token gift and goodbye. And you walk out with a box, okay? And for a couple of weeks, maybe, if you haven't planned well, it's okay to sit on a porch. But after that, you're bored out of your net. You have a crisis of purpose. There's got to be something else. You have to transition from maybe your work to something else. And I don't even think transitioning from work to pure entertainment is, is going to hold you for long. Um, you need a higher purpose. You need a longer purpose than that. Another place. You could be as busy as, uh, I don't know what, a squirrel throwing up nuts for the, for the winter. You're a single mother or somebody who's really pressed to keep the family afloat. You, you go to work, you come home, you do the household chores, and by the time you're done, you're so exhausted, you fall asleep, you get up, you do it all over again. You have purpose, without a doubt, but but it doesn't feel like a, a life. It doesn't feel like a, anything higher. You are just in survival mode. And you don't have to be a single mother. There are a lot of situations and a lot of people, whole families, who are just in survival mode. And while there is within that, God's purpose, if you don't understand your connection to Christ or God's purpose, you can't sort it out and you can't do it with very much joy. Those are two, I think there's plenty of others, any sort of transition. In fact, the world actually says to you, if you, if you listen to the philosophy that goes behind Science, for the most part, it says, hey, human beings are insignificant. Our planet is insignificant. In the grand scheme of things, you're nothing. Maybe even some would say, you're worse than nothing. You're a burden on the planet. And that sort of stuff's being fed into the heads of kids and fed into the hearts of adults who see it on TV. And... Why should we be surprised when people are depressed if that is the kind of garbage we are fed and we buy into it? Why should we be surprised if people take their life? If that's what they would really believe. But they shouldn't believe that. Same thing with self-worth. Where do we get it from? You're immersed in a, in a, a culture that values certain things and you are told those things are what make you worth something. And I'll tell you this, the culture of the kingdom of God is not the same as the culture of this world. Very different values. But I get it. It's hard not to be absorbed in it when you're immersed in it day after day. From the time you're a kid and trying to figure out who you are. So, for instance, beauty. 
Oh, we value beauty. Some of us are never going to be beautiful in the eyes of society. That's just our genetic calling card, right? But even if you are, how long do you get to keep that crown? Not too terribly long, right? Because eventually age kicks it off. Now you can go and get your face fixed for a while and try to put it back on, but it's just going to kick it off again. And some people are so absorbed that you end up looking like Dolly Parton, right? Where your head doesn't move. And you're just freakish at the end. You can't get your value from beauty. What's next? Riches, right? We even use the term net worth. And that's talking about your assets. Some of us are never going to be rich. We are not going to show up in the the list of Forbes billionaires. It's just not going to happen. Does that mean you're worthless? Not hardly. Wealth actually can be like a rock hung around your neck. I mean, yeah, it's nice to be able to pay your bills. But if you start relying on wealth, you will not get into relying on God. And guess how much money you get to take along when you die? None. You leave it all here. Popularity. Now, this is big with kids, but I do think it kind of also affects adults. You know, we want to be liked by others, and, and sometimes you get to be popular, but if there's anything more fading and more quickly fading than, than beauty, popularity is probably it. Even if you're a big star in society, it's here and it's gone. You can't hang it there. How about your abilities then or your experiences? I mean, we, we want to be able to do things and we want to say we're accomplished and, and, and all of that. And that might be a more staying kind of thing. But then again, you're going to get to the end of your days. Does it really matter? Well, that depends. And if we can't find our purpose or see our purpose, and if we don't know our worth or see our worth, we you contend with this pain of emptiness, this feeling that your life is not right or good, and you just don't see the value of you. In our Old Testament lesson, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is doing sort of a social experiment. Solomon is a guy who's got it all, almost all. He asks early for wisdom. He's a super wise person. He comes at a time where he's already got a kingdom established and he uses wisdom to make himself mega rich. He's got the ladies like crazy. I don't know how good looking he was, but David was sort of seen as good looking. I'm going to guess Bathsheba must have been good looking. So I'm going to guess Solomon was kind of a stud. Then accomplishments. 
He says, I, I wanted to see if, if I could find some satisfaction. And, and he goes out and he does these giant public works. And in the end, his conclusion about it all is it's all meaningless. And you, you're hard-pressed to find somebody more depressed than Solomon, even though he has it all. Now, here's the weird part about Solomon. And this has really kind of bugged me this last seven days since I've been working on this sermon. Solomon, in his writing, doesn't seem to have any knowledge about eternal life. Now, I can understand, considering he's well before the time of Jesus, that he doesn't have specifics about Jesus. But he he should have some sense of eternal life. It seems like God gave him wisdom minus any sense about having an eternity. Why would that be? My, My only conclusion is God foresaw the road that Solomon would go down. Toward the end of his life, he ends up worshiping the pagan gods of his many, many wives. And he could be the only author in the Bible to not be in eternal life. I mean, I hope that's wrong for his sake. But I don't have a different explanation for why Solomon doesn't know about God's plan in Jesus because that little bit of knowledge changes the whole outcome of the book. All he could come up with after all his seeking was the little bit that I read to you there. That, okay, um, if you can enjoy your job and and not think about it too much, you're going to be good. I mean, it's as good as you can get. That's our lot. Let me tell you, there's a lot more than our lot, according to Solomon. And it all connects back to Jesus. Because of Jesus, you can or you do have an eternal existence with God awaiting you. I mean, already you have it, but to fully feel it, you know, get past this life, lay your body down, move on up to heaven in a heavenly body, find out what it's like for the first time in your existence to not have sin, to not have the curse, to be able to see God face to face, to be able to experience people who don't have sin. That would be a big plus right off the get-go. To see God's massive creativeness, to live within God's massive creativeness, that is what he's extending to us. That is where our true joy, our, our true happiness, our life really lies. This part that you're experiencing right now, this is just the field where we work. This is very short. And they're here to accomplish a few things, yes. But that's all it is. So having eternal life and having it really tied down because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do, When you get that, when it's all the way in there, you can deal with anything. 
every problem of this world is short-lived. And it says something about you. That you are valuable. That you are loved by God. There isn't any other source of self-worth that you need to seek. Because who determines your value other than your maker? So you might be dirt poor, unaccomplished, dumb as a rock, got a face only a mother could love. But if you got Jesus, man, you're ahead of most people in this world. Then it comes down to your living. Let's say you're in survival mode. When you got Jesus, God says, don't worry. Don't worry. You are much more valuable to me than the birds of the field or the grass. And I take care of that. I will take care of you. He is saying, he isn't saying just sit there and wait till I deliver you a sandwich or something like that. He's saying, be a good steward of the things you know you need to do. And I will take care of the things you can't control. And you can look beyond this grind and know that what you're doing, you're doing for me. Even if it seems boring or unimpactful, you're doing it for me. And there is more than survival that, that I will give you. And that allows us, I hope, when, when you do walk with Jesus and you are speaking to him day to day, and, and you have a sense that you are here to, to accomplish something that he has prepared in advance for you to do, which is what it said in Ephesians. When you have that in mind, that will guide you through every transition. So in moving from high school to college or from college to a job, God has something prepared for you. You just have to maybe look and wait and pray about it. When you lose a job, God's got something else in mind for you. He's going to bring you through it. When you have relationship changes, like your kids move away, for instance, you, you don't have to say, oh, where's my purpose? I was all wrapped up in being a mother or a father or whatever. My kids moved. I was like, okay, that has maybe been taken away, but something else is going to fall into its place. When you retire, you will now no longer do that, but you're going to do this. God will help you find that way. And even up until the very end, where your brain is leaving you, or maybe has already left, God will find a way to make use of your continued life up until the day he jerks you from here. Even if you don't really realize what it is, God will use you in some way. And in fact, it says we are his workmanship. I think he is working on us the whole way. It isn't just when we're young or when we're middle-aged. It's when we're old and when we're to the end because it's just the end of this life. It's not the end of our existence. 
So we have purpose and worth, and we have it because of Jesus. If you want to get it from the world, good luck with that. Because I don't think it's going to work. When you get it because God's reaching out to you and God's made you, then you will have it forever. In Jesus' name, amen.